All right, everybody, welcome to episode three of the Beef and Bitcoin podcast with your hosts, Brett and CH. Uh, today, we've got another uh, another quick episode. I can't believe these are going by so fast. We just got episode one and two out, and they are on YouTube. So go ahead and search uh, Beef and Bitcoin podcast, and you will. Uh, that's probably the only thing that's going to come up, to be quite honest with you. Uh, quick shout out to a couple of other really good podcasts that you should check out if you haven't already. Marty Bent, Tales from the Crypt podcast, Stefan Lavera, the Stefan Lavera podcast, Noted podcast with Pierre Rochard and Bitstein, uh, Bottom Shelf BTC, and of course, Peter McCormick with uh, What Bitcoin Did. I'd like to thank everybody for presenting us with topics to talk about for this episode. You know, we've been putting those questions out to you on Instagram for you to uh, let us know what topics you want us to cover. And that's been really helpful for us to uh, get our notes together for, you know, the, the coming episodes. So we appreciate that. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump right in, man. How you doing this weekend? I'm doing good. Uh, crypto again, dropped to new lows. I have the Bitcoin chart open for people who don't look at like trading view charts or more technical charts. I have that open to Corey on the screen. But while we were, while we were setting up the podcast, I noticed something on state of the D apps, which should be on your screen now. And that storage users in the past 24 hours is up 234%. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you. Because last time, usually when I check this site, they're, it's pretty uh, sad to see all the dApps and their usage. It's pretty low. But <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's typically less users than the number of people that are employed by consensus. Yeah. Which, uh, you it know. It says 72K daily active users now, which I don't know where that came because it wasn't that high a while ago. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. But, you know, I'd hate to uh, to talk shit on something that I don't really know about, but I do like doing it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. So a couple of topics here that were presented. Uh, the first one, let's jump right in is, is adoption more specifically around what kind of software will we need to, uh, to move into the future? How does, how does Bitcoin get adopted via software? What do you think? That's a good question. Um, obviously the biggest thing I find with software technology, whatever it is, is user interface user experience is the biggest thing ui ux if you're if you can make a good thing that's like what's the best way to put it it's you know intuitive and that's exactly when you think about steve jobs and what he did with the iphone the ipad it's super intuitive and there was a thing um steve jobs before he died they were talking about the ipad the first gen they took it to some third world country in southeast asia and this kid was playing angry birds with it and never seen te technology like this in his life and was able to shoot and you know birds just by using his finger and why because it was intuitive so here again you know as bitcoin scales as we you know whether it's wallets you know interfaces for sending coins etc as they get more intuitive and as it becomes easier for people to use like i think we're gonna laugh one day at the the fact that you had to you know copy and paste address codes i think that's something that maybe i don't know how long down the line because like early email you had to know how to code to send emails and now you just simply type in an address and it goes. So I think we're going to get to a certain point where it'll be much easier for people to send money, you know, via Bitcoin than it is now. Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember the days of getting on the Internet, um, you know, with <laughs> getting onto AOL and and, dial up. and moving the, the dial up. Yeah. And plugging, plugging, the, you know, the phone line into the router and and all that stuff. It was it was a nightmare. I remember downloading a song. And it took like three hours and it was that to me, that was the fastest 
thing ever. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was extreme. Yeah, it was a cra- it was crazy fast. But uh, but that's a good point. I think that you know we don't think about how difficult it was sending an email 30 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and now how easy it is. You can do it just from your phone, and I think that we need both the uh, it needs to be easier to both acquire Bitcoin and to to use it and 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 send it back and forth between you know between from point A to point B, and uh, if anybody out there hasn't downloaded the Cash app yet, that might be uh, a good app to both you know to both buy Bitcoin, but also to see what a great user experience looks like. I I can't imagine it being any easier to manage a digital wallet than with something like the Cash app. So uh, I think we're going to see more things like that. I think good UX from the wallet side is going to be critical for adoption because if it's if you know just as easy as it is to use cash app or how easy it is to you to use venmo it really needs to be that easy yeah. for bitcoin or else it's or else it's just it's not going to work it might be a great store of value you know paying with gold is not easy today but people still store their wealth in it it, it didn't need to um to solve that particular problem so uh, if we want to see that widespread adoption, it, the, the software just has to be a lot easier to use for Bitcoin. Speaking of speaking of gold, gold looks like it's uh, breaking out here again. I just have the chart up. Am I share? I'm not sharing my screen with you right now, am I? No. There you go. Yeah, uh, gold bottomed out like 1160 back in whatever back in August and. No, it's breaking out. I think um, likely we'll see $1,300 gold here shortly. That seems like the next area of real resistance in the you know long run. So it'll be interesting to see with everything going on right now. Um, you know, in the macro, like I, I know this is a little off topic here, but we're having what we're seeing in Paris right now is a pretty big deal. Um, there's a lot going on right now. Like Paris is or France in general, you have a whole country you know reverting on its own leader. So. Yeah, and it's funny. I saw a picture of uh, <clears throat> one of the uh, the French po- protesters wearing the yellow the yellow vests, yes, yeah. and they had the uh, it said "Buy Bitcoin" on the back. And it's funny because that meme of of just buying Bitcoin and Bitcoin sign guy, you know, with the mm-hmm. very famous picture with Janet Yellen. You're gonna as these macro events come up, you're gonna see the same thing over and over again. The, the that buy Bitcoin sign meme will just keep popping up over the next decade, and it'll only um, <clears throat> it won't be a rare sighting. I'll put it to you that way. Yeah, no, it's um it's getting obviously it's catching more and more. This even that re- recently I looked at the Google trends for Bitcoin, and they're they're upticking again. So more people are getting more interested, and whether that's because it's getting a lot cheaper, I don't know. Maybe people understand it's here to stay. You know, it kind of, you know, you see it more on, you hear it more. Like for CNBC now covers it daily. You know, it's not a thing of the past. You know, it's it's covered daily by CNBC. Um, and I know we probably want to stay on track. Do you want to keep talking about the whole idea of what makes Bitcoin software easier and wide adoption? Yeah, definitely. So another thing uh, <clears throat> that I have here in my notes to talk about is, you know, running full nodes. That's something that uh, is typically um, only really for those who are more technically capable or have maybe been in the space for a few years and are, you know, want to 
take responsibility for running their own full node and managing their private keys. And uh, maybe they want to experiment with Lightning. So it looks like you're you're starting to see some of some more of these node in a box, right? We have the new the Casa HODL node, which essentially, you know, it's 300 bucks. It's a really nice looking product. <clears throat> it looks almost like an Apple product and it just has a Raspberry Pi inside of it, um, a hard drive. It, it does a quick sync to uh, the Bitcoin blockchain, lo- allows you to run a Bitcoin full node and also a, uh, a lightning node. <clears throat> So that's the fastest possible way you can you can get onto the Lightning Network and start <laughs> sending micro payments, sub Satoshi payments, and start opening channels back and forth. But uh, I I really think that for you know to get back to that software adoption, it needs to be really easy to use. And I'd say this uh, you know this node in a box from casa is is really straightforward almost idiot proof but uh i still think you're proof (laughs) yeah it's definitely it's it's legit i mean it's a really nice piece of hardware and i think that will be my next uh, that's what i'm really most excited about is seeing the the hardware side of bitcoin start to come into the homes right Mm -hmm. um so that people can can get up and running and just start playing around with this technology. I mean, you know, so a quick, I just saw some night lightning network statistics recently. looks like there's four different clients live. You have almost, uh, you have 17 different wallets to choose from. Uh, there's over 4,000 nodes on the network, almost 13,000 channels and a, and a Bitcoin capacity, uh, of about 454 BTC, which is right around, um, one and a half million dollars uh, USD value. And that's that's really exciting, especially in a bear market. So you can see that uh, Lightning's just really doing a good job of helping Bitcoin to scale and, and answering some of those questions about, you know, Bitcoin being a payment network. And that kind of leads you to the next logical question of if you can start sending payments for a fraction of a penny and it settles in, in four seconds, um, what do we need some of these other altcoins for? Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point here again. Um, I've seen the point made on Twitter numerous times. You know, the thing that's going to win this whole space is the store of value. That's what will win it. Not the, um, you know, transaction, whether it's medium exchange or the fastest transactions, because there already is that, whether you have like Venmo, other payment systems, there's numerous payment systems fighting for fast transactions. But there isn't anyone fighting for that. Obviously, Bitcoin is. But that store of value, having a real hard store of value, you know, something that's very hard to duplicate, you know, whatever. Something that, you know, someone can say, hey, I'm going to put this away for a decade and not have to worry about it. The same thing as someone buying, you know, a few pounds of gold. Something ridiculous, you know, saying, hey, I'm not going to have to worry about this. This will hold its value. Um, and that's what I think we're seeing more and more over time right now is the store of value use case because everything right now is dumped in crypto and we haven't seen any alts no alts maybe besides for bitcoin sv which i will pull up the chart of that have really decoupled from bitcoin and when i mean decoupled i don't think bitcoin sv really has decoupled but i shit you not every time uh every time bitcoin sv or bitcoin moves against it it's you know moving against bitcoin so bitcoin goes down bitcoin sv goes up and i think if i'm correctly bitcoin sv is craig Wright's bitcoin I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I which mean... one's which at this point. There's Bitcoin ABC or Bitcoin Cash ABC, and there's Bitcoin Cash SV. 
um, but if you've seen this SV chart, it's literally it went up like 150% in the span of a week. You know, from the 22nd to the 26th, and then even recently, Bitcoin started dumping again, and it went up another 100%. It's coming back to earth now, but it's just been hilarious because every time, like I even commented on one of Peter LeBrant's photos. And like the whole crypto market's tanking, and I posted a photo of this like going against everything else, you know. But it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, probably just... highly manipulated, and that probably explains why it's price is going against everything. That's the only answer I could have for it. Is like, it's just probably really manipulated. But that's crypto, for right? You. Exactly. And there's a you know, there's just a ton of scams out there. It's really easy for a new person to come on. <sighs> Uh, to an exchange, look, uh, see, Bit see three or four different versions of Bitcoin, look for the cheapest one and say, well, this one looks good to me. Um, so please don't do that. If, if, if that's you, do not, do not do that. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, regarding the Lightning Network was, uh, and I put this in, in a video for episode two of the podcast, was taking a look at the Lightning Jewel extension. And pretty much all that it is, it's really similar to, to MetaMask, where you have a built-in wallet browser extension. So you can move around uh, to different websites that accept Lightning payments like yalls.org or Satoshi's Place. And uh, within two or three clicks, you are making a payment, uh, whether it be a microtransaction, uh, you know, paying a couple Satoshis, a few cents to read an article on yalls.org or, uh, you know, gambling on lightning spin so the the tech is coming it's it's still really early i don't see any of us or our our, our listeners for that matter going and and jumping in and getting a lightning node up and running and and using the lightning jewel browser extension but it is uh <clears throat> it's really exciting to see the the lightning network start to mature and i think you know if we were to replay this episode in another year we're going to have a lot more to talk about with uh yeah. with the growth and expansion of the network no, the hardware, the hardware is definitely coming along, and I think it's coming along faster now than ever as you get more people focusing on Bitcoin itself just because people are hearing about it or, you know, they understand it more now. It has more of a uh, nuance to it. it. has It's clearly made a bigger footprint than it did, you know, four years ago. You know, it's everywhere. For sure, for sure. Um, what? <clears throat> You want to uh, you want to jump in you know to stay on the topic of uh, of adoption. <clears throat> One of the other questions that was posed to us was, how does adoption? What does adoption look like as more regulation comes into Bitcoin? You know the ETF and uh, other financial institutions jumping in. What do you think? That's a good question. Uh, I saw again that more. I can't. I think it was the Van Eck ETF got pushed back. They're delaying it as long as possible to like mid February. Yeah, I think it's SEC. Um, or whatever, you know, they're delaying it, you know, the hearing on the ETF until February. So that's delayed again. Um, no, but it's a big deal. And I think, is, if I remember correctly, Bach is settled in Bitcoin. Is that right? Or is it cash settled? What? what um, no, it's going to be um, physical Bitcoin settled. If yeah, my, yeah, physical. If, you know, if I, can, if I can recall that correctly, which is kind of, which is important in my opinion. Uh, the, the more, the, the cash settled, uh, it worries me a little bit. Futures, uh, if, well, the futures right now with uh, CME and CBOE, you know, they can. There's there's a big correlation between when they, you know, futures end and the spiking in prices. It's kind of funny. 
Exactly. And if anybody wants to take a deeper dive into the effects of Wall Street getting into Bitcoin, um, go and check out Caitlin Long. Check out anything that she's written on Twitter or any of her Medium posts. She's a Wall Street veteran, really knows what she's talking about. And her biggest fear with Wall Street getting into Bitcoin is, uh, you know, Wall Street wanting to rehypothecate Bitcoin or basically creating um, (laughs) fiat on top of Bitcoin where there are uh, many different parties have the same obligation to the same Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's not a good thing. And yeah. uh, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is that, um, you know, it's, it's fixed supply. And she mentioned that one of her uh, Wall Street veteran friends had said that they need to fix Bitcoin. They need to fix that problem where the supply is limited. And that just really goes to show you the mindset of how Wall Street operates and um, having multiple claims on the same Bitcoin is definitely something that they will look to do. Um, and that's uh, that's the only thing that scares me with Wall Street and Bitcoin. Other than that, I think, you know, in the short term, it could suppress the price. Uh, but in the long term, it's it's definitely going to be definitely bullish. Yeah, I think long term, you can't, you can't you know, there's, it's hard to argue not being bullish. It's just giving more people access to Bitcoin. So it's more it's more dollars flowing at it. And especially... When you look at older generations who, you know, aren't as attuned, like even for me, like as I said, like I'm pretty tech savvy. It's still not easy to go sign up for an exchange, buy crypto. Like Coinbase is the easiest way to do it by far, I think, in my opinion. If you're an American citizen, you just get on Coinbase and it's a few clicks. But still, it's not, you know, doing anything outside of Coinbase. You're like, what the fuck? You know, you tell someone to go like hop on like Bitrex. They're gonna be lost, and Bitrex isn't even that bad. You, you know, there are exchanges that are worse than that. Um, and so, long-term impact, as I said, a lot more exposure. You have, you know, people who maybe want to put part of their 401k, you know, etc. The Roth IRA. Um, and when you look at gold here, I had a chart pull up with gold. Let me go back to gold on a monthly bar. So this is gonna be pretty far. Zoom out here. Gold ETF got approved in the early 2000s, and gold is around 250, 260, whatever. Um, as you can see, I think in a combination of having the global financial crisis and the gold ETF, it went up to about $1,900. I mean, so you're talking at almost 1,000% appreciation, which is quite impressive for an asset of that size, um, you know, in the span of, what, 10 years maybe? Mm-hmm. And then now it's – and here again, people talk about – we discuss this, and, well, it's not even talk about it, It's known now. Um, like, for instance, J.P. Morgan – other banks are manipulating currency, currencies and metals, specifically precious metals like palladium, platinum, silver, gold, to their benefit, you know, suppressing prices. Why? Because if you think about how much money has been printed off over the past decade alone, just between all the quantitative easing, between, you know, Bank of Japan, the Federal Reserve, ECB, Swiss National Bank, uh, Bank of England, China itself, you know, countries and central banks have taken advantage of the the free free money basically low interest rates and free money or negative interest rates even worse and so what have they done suppress suppress the metals because there's no way the metals are you know you're not getting that much gold out as the many dollars that have been printed over the past decade um and i think we we soon will see gold and other precious metals move hard like move you know to the upside where they get valued properly just because free market eventually takes over you know, that's a, I, I kind of want to stick to that topic for a second. So, yeah. and you know, I've, I've heard this talked about a lot on Twitter. What is the role of monetary metals such as, you know, gold or silver 
um, a decade from now. So let's make the assumption that um, Bitcoin is on its way to becoming <clears throat> sound global money. Um, what role does gold and silver play in in that future? That's, you know, that's a very good question. Um, there's a guy I, I think I mentioned before in the podcast. If you want to follow him on uh, on Twitter, Occupy Wisdom, he makes a great point. You know, um, even when you think about this past year in 2018, how many natural disasters there were in the U.S. Whether you look at hurricanes, etc., wildfires, where people lose power, you still need to build transact. So when there's no power, how do you transact? Cash. Um, and I think in that same form, cash is still going to be cash. There still needs to be some kind of physical medium of exchange. 10 years from now, we can't just go completely digital overnight. That's not possible. You're going to, people won't, not everyone will be able, capable of going 100% digital. So there needs to be some kind of physical, you know, medium of exchange. You know, I, I don't know what it will be. Will it be coinage? Will it be dollars? But there needs to be something that, you know, if I walk into a bar and I want to buy a drink, I give the bartender $5 worth of whatever that assets backed in, you know, instead of using a card, instead of using like a lightning network, whatever is at the time we're just speculating here but you need to have some kind of physical thing because without it you lose electricity the whole money is what society runs on um, without money society falls apart you get the dark ages just look at the collapse of the roman empire and then the dark ages that fall in europe it's not good so you need to have some kind of physical form of money that people can still transact with you know when they're buying goods and services just needs to have that what it is, I, I couldn't tell you. In a world of, if we're in a world where Bitcoin, say, was the reserve currency or whatever, in a decade from now, that's a very good question. I don't, you know, it has to be some kind of coinage or some kind of notes, you know. And yeah, I assume it's something they're backed by some kind of currency. Right, that's something that I that I've been thinking about um, more often, just because um, if you make the assumption that uh, Bitcoin will become sound global money within you know the next couple of decades i don't know maybe 2040 2050 um what's what's the role of monetary metals is there another form of cash that is used or is there uh, some sort of physical form of cash used via via bitcoin and the only example i can think of right now for that is <clears throat> have you ever seen the open dime usb sticks to to store bitcoin they're basically just uh it's it's a hard usb that has a protective cover on it it basically locks the private key onto the usb itself so you can't crack it it's unless you physically you know break open the device break the seal and, and get the private key but uh somebody was somebody was talking about those could act as physical cash let's say you have um <clears throat> and this is where i start to go cosmic with it to to quote marty bent is how far along in the future does does that take for that to happen so if you have um a hundred satoshis on an open dime a usb stick is that going to be a is that going to act like a like a 10 or 20 dollar bill 30 years from now where that's just being passed along uh it doesn't need an on-chain transaction i could hand you the usb stick uh in person you could plug it into some sort of usb reader you'd verify that there's a hundred satoshis on it or a thousand satoshis on it and and that's it that's the end of the transaction so that's a that's a different type of second layer solution because it allows you to pass along Bitcoin physically, right? From one person to another, I can hand you that stick and you can verify it for yourself how much, how many Satoshis are on it. And then that's the end of the transaction. So I think that could, I have no idea if it's going to play out that way, but um, 
I, I like what you're saying about uh, that that physical thing that still needs to be passed around. And I and I wonder if Open Dime or something similar doesn't. Uh, we don't <laughs> that. I don't know. I'd be honest with you. I ordered a bunch of them for Christmas. I'm going to put some Satoshis on them, hand them out to people uh, at Christmas time who are interested. Uh, and, and you know, because they want something physical to hold. It doesn't yeah. mean anything to them. If I set up a wallet for them on Coinbase or the Cash app and I send them, you know, a thousand Satoshis, that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean but, shit. you know, maybe that, that, physical, that physical device, something that they can hold in their hands. Uh, I don't know. It's It's... It's gonna be wild for sure. Yeah, no, I um, it's it's something that it always interests me because it's we're going through a very times like right now. It's there's a lot of um change going on right now. When you look at the markets, the global macro turning over, as we mentioned earlier, the Paris, what's going on in Paris and what's going on in Europe. It's not just Paris now. It's um Brussels and in Belgium. It's the Netherlands. It's Germany. You're you're seeing a lot go on. You're seeing a rise in populism. Um, you're seeing global markets turn over. We're seeing is basically a decade of manipulation, and a good guy to also follow on Twitter, uh, Paranoid Bull. Um, he mentioned something about that's completely mispriced is political risk. Where are we seeing political risk right now? We're seeing France. Macron, President Macron in France now has a 23% approval rating. That means three quarters of the country wants that guy out. Um, I don't see that the guy has a five-year term. I don't think he's going to make it all five years. And I think also I've made comments before. I don't know if it's on this podcast, but. I don't see the EU being a thing in a decade. I see the EU disintegrating over the, in the next decade. And it could disintegrate a lot faster than that, considering the times we live in with social media um, and internet and how quickly information spreads. Um, you know, I don't, the Paris, what's going on in Paris right now isn't getting any better. You know, those people clearly are dissatisfied with their government. Um, and I think, you know, it's finally being priced in. I have a chart of the S&P 500 open right now. Um, and here again, another bearish and golfing bar. It doesn't look good. Um, if we break out of this kind of wedge pattern here, um, whatever, symmetrical, it should be a symmetrical triangle to finish all the way through. But if we break out to the downside, it's not going to be pretty. It'll be very violent. Um, between, you know, yeah. it's. I've been watching this happen the past week, and the markets just took a shitter. So. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely wild. I think. Uh... I think you know when I hear from you know people with uh, with their corporate 401ks and everything, they get nervous during these big down days. They're looking at it. They're watching their net worth um, <laughs> fluctuate. Yeah, fluctuate. That's literally um, the worst thing. You, that's literally the worst thing you can do when you're investing is just look at it. It's terrible. And I'm sure we can yeah. speak to that when we're in crypto. And you're like, I didn't even have a um, I didn't have a portfolio tracking app until December last year because I was like I stayed away from it. Like I had I had the apps, but I didn't actually put my coins in them. Because I knew it wasn't healthy, and when you once you do it, once you put it in, it's not healthy, you know, because you're just checking it and you're like, oh, I'm up, you know, a few thousand dollars this hour. <laughs> it's like, and then you're like, well, yeah, fuck, I should have sold, you know, like, um, you yep. know, So it's not healthy to be looking at that shit. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I just read something something last night. Uh, somebody posted on Reddit they had a wallet on their 27 inch iMac that had $170,000 worth of Bitcoin on it. And they took it to the Apple store. They needed to get work done or whatever. And the guy didn't have his private keys backed up on a piece of paper anywhere. And that's it. Like, it's gone. The They reformatted the hard drive and that, I mean, that's it. That's a bummer. The, a, yeah, it, it sucks. That is, it that is a big bummer. It really sucks. So, you know, and 
the reason why I bring that up is because I'm sure that was probably, I don't know, 80%, 90% of that person's total net worth. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. And I'm assuming the guy was, uh, relatively young, not a, um, a 50 year old guy with $3 million in his Roth IRA. Uh, (laughs) so it just goes to show you that, yeah, you could, you could buy a couple of thousand, uh, bucks worth of shit coins and catch a quick pump. And next thing you know, you're worth half a million dollars. Um, you're going to watch your net worth fluctuate violently over the next, uh, (laughs) couple of decades. So if, if you're willing to do that, that's awesome. If you stick with hodling and watching the market collapse 80% every couple of years, you're going to, you're going to shave a few years off your life for sure, but you're going to be much more resilient. I mean, I've probably gotten the most gray hairs in the last nine months than I have, you know, the prior five years. And it's, it's really just from being into Bitcoin, from stress, from looking at the markets, from seeing the volatility just eat people alive. And one of my favorite things to look at is the, uh, the capitulation threads of just watching people throw in the towel, lost 5,000 bucks, lost 20,000 bucks, even lost 500 bucks. And people are just capitulating. And, uh, (laughs) it's, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. It's a, uh, it definitely doesn't help you, um, stress wise to be involved in any kind of financial markets or watching stuff like that um but it does help you understand what's going on because there's a lot of people that are unaware of the situation where one u.s markets are at two the global macro in terms of markets like i know we mentioned on podcast before oil went from 78 bucks now i think it's at 50 well yeah oil's at 52 bucks now um so that's wild yeah no it's absolutely wild where oil's at and oil doesn't it doesn't it might reverse i don't think it will I think I think we're gonna be looking at like twenty eight, twenty five dollar oil in a few months, if not even sooner than that. Um, oil's looking pretty weak right now, so that's something to keep in mind. Like, there's a lot going on, and if you're just not paying attention to it, like you're a, like the average American or the average person is completely oblivious to what's going on in the markets. But legacy markets have been absolutely insane this year, um, and it definitely has effect on crypto. I don't think. I don't think people are going to pour more money into shitcoins. You know, that whole narrative of people are going to pour more money into shitcoins if, you know, equities go down. I don't think that's going to happen. I could be wrong. You know, here again, we're every altcoin is literally at the mercy of what Bitcoin does. You know, I'm surprised Ripple hasn't even capitulated more to, you know, it's 25 cents. No, I'm serious. Like, just from looking (laughs) at the charts, I'm surprised it's held 30 cents very well. Um, Me too. Yeah, I would have, uh, as much as I don't really care for XRP and would, would like to see it continue to drop, I, I am a little surprised that it's no, held I, up. I, I was and, uh, for sure 25 cents it would break below that because everything else capitulated way below their former lows. And this is, I think it's just because, here again, it's a cheap coin and it's still, um, someone made a comment. It gets, pr- it gets attention, you know? <laughs> Dude, it gets attention. Someone made the comments like, you know, someone's like $589 XRP. And they're like, and someone's like, that's a ludicrous. And it's like, well, he's like, no, it's not when you're, you know, don't bet against the herd. And he's talking about like the, you know, the hundred million retard holders, <laughs> you know, the people who are just religious, like there's a, there's a cult with that coin. If you see some of the tweets, there's a cult. It's, 
Yeah, the, the XRP army. Yeah, it's 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 really tough. I uh, I don't engage with them uh, too often. There are a bunch of followers uh, that follow the Crypto Humor page who who love XRP, and uh, I love them just for following the page and, and giving me shit on a daily, weekly basis because it's a lot of fun to talk shit to each other. But uh, yeah, I definitely can't wait for that to play out. Dude, <laughs> and like, uh, if you're yeah. seeing a chart on my screen, it's pretty retarded. Like that was that was Ripple last year. Like People don't understand, like crypto, like for the most part, even if you were in in 2017, if you didn't catch that initial, you know, April to May pump. Or even yeah, you're that, down right now. If, if well, you, not, you sat if you down didn't... most of the year and we're just like waiting. Yeah. And then one day it just went. <laughs> it was like everything just went, you know, and like there was this there was this huge built up. You know, you, know, you could feel it building up. There's no way yeah. nobody to doubt it. Like I could feel it building up. You're seeing crypto pop up more areas. But you weren't really seeing the prices yet. You're like, what the fuck? And then one day, it just fucking went. You know, like when you're looking at that chart, it just went. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's insane. I uh, I can't believe the pump. I'll never forget that day right around like January 4th or 5th when um, <laughs> Ripple was just at all-time highs. And that was, uh, it was like I mean, it just – 30 cents. I was like looking at it. I'm like, huh. It was absolutely wild because that was just, I think that day for me personally was, was peak, peak euphoria, peak, peak hype. Like, like, you know, everything's about to get tokenized. And, you know, I was, I I would have considered myself a shit coiner then at the time. I I, I think everyone. Yeah. And, and, you know, (laughs) you see something moon like that in real time and then you're, (laughs) you see how wild it can be and yeah. uh it's it's too funny i i have no doubt and that's kind of something that i've been bouncing around you will we see that um the crazy alt alt season will we see more alt seasons and if i had to if i had to guess i'd say yeah i'd oh, say we're I gonna see to, i'd say we'd see two or th- yeah we're gonna see maybe two three more alt seasons might be a stretch because i'm also um, making the assumption that alt seasons will correlate with a, uh, with like a a Bitcoin hype cycle, a blow off, um, something similar to you know a parabolic move that we saw similar to 2017, and I don't I don't know how many more of those um, crazy adoption parabolic moves we have left in Bitcoin. I'd say we have a, a couple more, and I'm just not sure how many more of those will. Will an alt season come along with yeah. the the Bitcoin parabolic move? Because if you make the assumption that Bitcoin's going parabolic because people are adopting it as money, uh, money's a zero sum game. For for Bitcoin to to win, other things have to lose. Yeah. So I don't see alts continuing to pump because if if Bitcoin's pumping, people are starting to wise up. They're realizing you know money works better as one thing, uh, and and you're going to see money start to flow to that. And I I also think that the next alt season will not be the same alts that we have today. Maybe maybe two or three of them will be mm-hmm. the same, but it's going to be a brand new set of shit coins. Uh, I've been telling a lot of the, the people who DM me asking about, oh, do you think this coin will pump on the next run up or this and that? I was like, well, if you look for a screenshot of coin market cap in 2013, 2014, or 2015, you're going to see a group of nine different coins on each one of those lists with Bitcoin obviously being the, the one at the top that's been consistent throughout the whole thing. But uh, that list changes and it's going to keep changing. Your, your shit coin of today will most likely not be around tomorrow. So that's something to uh, keep in mind if you're still holding bags of anything. Yeah. 
looking at the I'm still looking at the ripple chart and like the most obvious sell signal of all time is this just giant fucking doji. This just yeah. giant ass doji. Like and here Dan, like I told you, all that time I wasted looking at all coin papers should have been in the technical analysis. It would have vastly benefited me then. Um, and you know, not just the TA, but the more TA risk management, all that stuff, that whole suite, you know, would have vastly benefited me here versus all the altcoin papers. Um, <laughs> but it is what oh. it is. Uh, you know, like, I remember, like, I was, because I had one bag that got so big compared to everything else, I was like, oh, well, until everything gets this size, I don't want to sell it. You know, that's a bad mentality to have because everything else was up, you know, over 1,500%. Or something like two thousand. Like it was, the stupid it's game. Insane. The games yeah. we were making were, were just not real, and that was the problem. When you have bags that do thirty plus x, it's hard to justify selling a ten x or a fifteen x, which is ridiculous, you know. Um, but that's what happens. You get spoiled in crypto. Um, For I sure. I saw somebody mention about fucking Bitcoin targets, and I was gonna open up my Bitstamp chart again and just kind of zoom out. And yeah. So yeah, right now. Jesus. You know, before we before we talk about that, you mentioned ICO white papers, and somebody had uh, had submitted a question, and I, I do want to touch on it for two minutes. If there's any benefit to actually reading ICO white papers, shitcoin white papers, whatever, and uh, <laughs> I like that you said you'd rather have spent your time learning technical analysis, fundamental analysis, um, general economics um so is there any value uh i think it's a it would be very easy for me to answer no there's there's absolutely no value in reading any of these ico white papers because uh um they're they're not going to matter but if you if i had to think of a pro it would be you're getting a really good look at all the things that aren't going to work and you're going to be able to start logically reasoning through why they don't work Mm -hmm. so if you're reading a paper on proof of uh, uh, some shitcoin that is using uh, proof of stake you can go you can spend a couple hours reading the white paper trying to under- understand their side of the story and then you can go on google um, or dm me i have there's a million links that i have about why proof of stake, stake won't work and then you can start to reason through why proof of stake isn't going to work relative to uh, uh, re- relative to proof of work? So uh, that's the only that's the only positive I can see is that you're just yeah. going to be able to go through and figure out what's not working. Yeah, that'd be about it. I'd say you know, and you might learn a few technical terms that are somewhat useful, but that might be it. I think. Right. You know. um, if you're looking at my screen right now, like, I am. Look yeah. How retarded that looks. This is just that, that that was just the pump to June. So bear in mind that was the pump to June. So like when Bitcoin that's broke 2014. Out, oh. No, this is 2014 into early 2017. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this was like when we pumped. Like that looks retarded, right? You're like wow, that's like no way I should I shouldn't buy that, right? That's <laughs> only the pump to 3,000. Wow. <laughs> Just it looks yeah it looks ridiculous when you go back like and so I couldn't imagine like if if I was seriously in Bitcoin then and being a chart guy and seeing this. Like the slow in 2015, up. yeah, oh in my 2015 God. and 2016, just like waiting, you're building up to it, and you're like, oh, <laughs> and then just completely demolishing that. Like, I get it now. Parabolic. That's all. It's all oh. you need to know. <laughs> oh, for sure. And and for anybody who's just listening to this and they can't see uh, the screen or they're not watching on YouTube, yeah, uh, you can you can Google the different Bitcoin bubbles and hype cycles and. 
pretty much what we're showing here is the the parabolic moves look exactly the same every single time. You see these big parabolic moves with a with a blow off, uh, and then we come crashing down. You know, anywhere between ninety three percent and seventy percent. I mean, you're this is it's going to continue like this, yeah. on and on. It looks ridiculous when you do it. Like, this is where it gets ridiculous right here. It's just like, boom. Yep. I remember 3,000 very well. And I was oh, thinking I to myself, like, I remember wow. 1,800 actually thinking to myself, 1,800 getting to all-time highs. I can't believe it. Like, how overvalued. And then, <laughs> you know, you know, you, 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 you 10x from there and then it starts to – stuff stops making sense. Uh, <laughs> I think we talked know? about all the times where we bought like – You'd buy altcoins like in summer of 2017 or the fall, and Bitcoin just kept marching. And your altcoins, like even though they weren't losing dollars, like in the USD, you weren't losing. You were losing against Bitcoin the whole time. Yeah, you're losing satoshis. Really? That's another thing. Yeah, people look at your charts relative to satoshis, so you actually know what's going on. Yeah. Um. That yeah. If you're looking at altcoin charts in USD, not that it's not a good psychological thing, but your altcoins are all paired against Bitcoin. So that's what they trade against. That's what you want to look at the chart. Like literally Ripple, I'll show you an example. Like, and I was looking at this chart even, and this is like, here again, a discipline thing. I was looking at the Ripple chart when Ripple uh, and Bitcoin, it literally peaked at the same point in Bitcoin. Like it was really obvious if you were in Bitcoin, like, okay, Ripple peaked again, time to sell. Like on January, that first week of January, it was obvious. It's, you know, at whatever amount of sats, 23,000 sats or whatever it was. It was pretty obvious, you know. Yeah, when you look at this Ripple um, BTC chart, you're pretty much seeing one, two, three, three or four different just complete pump and dumps with 90 plus percent drops Dude, the in be- the span the best, of like the best 18 was, months. It was insane. In September where Ripple went from like 25 to 75 cents, I was like, wow. <laughs> I Like I knew like 25 cents was a spot to buy at and I wasn't thinking about it. And then Ripple started moving, and then it went to 75 cents, and I was like, shit. And one of my buddies was bag holding it, and I was like, I told him, like, yo, I told him, set a sell limit order, just sell it at, like, set a limit order to, like, 69 cents. And that hitting, like, 75, 76, but I told him, I was like, yo, this is your time to get out. <laughs> you know, I don't think Yeah, it, I think there's a lot of people who might be upside down in their Ripple bags who are looking for that pump to get out. Well, he, uh, he and had, I think he that's, had a pretty that's low common entry. on he other a, He had a low too. entry below, like, 20 cents, so it's not, like... I see. I see. Yeah. So um, you want to? Uh, what do you think? Should we? Should we talk about some of these uh, BTC targets? Yeah, we should go to BTC targets. Let's get. We should talk about the short-term BTC targets. I think that's a good thing to start off with here. Um, I think three thousand's gonna happen. We got close. We got down to thirty-two hundred, basically thirty-two fifty. Um, I think three thousand's definitely a psych barrier. It was where we bombed out last year. With the Jamie Dimon FUD and the China FUD, I remember buying that dip and never being happier in my life. Like I bought bought a bunch of shit coins, and they all within like, I remember like I, I fucking stayed up. It was like a Thursday into Friday morning. I stayed up, you know, through the night, bought them at 6 a.m. and I was like, well, I couldn't get back to bed, so I was at the gym in the morning. And like I checked my fucking like Delta app and everything, or I think it was like Blockfolio, and everything was up, and I was just so ecstatic. <laughs> It's like so ecstatic that everything bounced. Um, so I think 3,000 is a possibility. There's also the, the 2017 summer low of like basically 1,800. Um, that's another level. I think 
that's a low of low. I think that'd be if we were really gonna go low. I think anything below that's pretty scary. I think I think testing a thousand or whatever, eleven sixty three from the former top is a very scary level to test. That's a lot of that's a lot of <laughs> more bleeding. That's like seventy five percent down from here. Oh. Right. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be super scary for a lot of people, especially um, some of the newcomers to see Bitcoin just really yeah, I, look like I, it's falling off the cliff. My, my bet is the three thousand. We bounce at three thousand or the eighteen hundred. If we break through. 3,000 and the 1,800 low should be, you know, but I could be wrong. That's just my speculation. Um, <clears throat> I mean, when I look at the oh, absolutely the the anything below a day time frame doesn't look that bad. But when you look at like the one week, um, it doesn't look too pretty. The two week does not look pretty at yeah. all. Like if I looked at the you know if you look at the two week, you're like wow, there could be could amount of bleeding left. And then you look at the monthly, monthly it's not even like a question. Monthly's pretty bad looking right now. Um, and that's why even the fucking, you know, a thousand target or 1100 target really could reasonably in, be in there. You look at the monthly, it does not, it just doesn't. Oh, matter. absolutely. I mean, it's look at totally, look at this yeah, fucking. it's, it's completely in play. A thousand is in play. 1800s in play. Uh, the, the thing you got to remember is finite supply. You have OG holders who will absolutely be stepping in to buy cheap Bitcoin. It's oh, yeah, no, at, at, at every price level, at every target. I mean, you can look at the order book right now and see that how many orders of like a thousand Bitcoin are open for for three thousand um, limit oh, yeah. orders. I mean, sure there's, there, there, there's there's, a, there's, there's gonna be a, so many. There's going to be a giant buy wall at three thousand. There's, exactly, and there's there's going to be buy walls level. the whole way down. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know that and. Now that now that we are dropping, I think you, a lot of people who haven't been buying in the last um, year or so are watching the market come back to reality and are getting their fiat ready to start stacking satoshis. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm I'm not a great predictor of long-term targets. Like I, you know, if you want to go more in depth about that, my thoughts right now is just the short-term. Where are we going to bounce? Um, and you know, long-term shit anything's possible with a finite yeah um, for sure you're, you're valuing them in a, an inflationary currency and what people don't realize right. is bitcoin is simply it's not bitcoin that's losing value or gaining value it's really the dollar that's losing value and that's the way people got to look at it like right should... bitcoin stays consistent it's you know one bitcoin is one bitcoin and that volatility you see somebody said this and it made a lot of sense is uh the volatility in bitcoin is just the the macro world volatility like moving its way into bitcoin in one way or another and i didn't think about that because you know one bitcoin is one bitcoin and it's a fixed supply um but let's talk about let's talk about those long-term targets you know everything that we try to talk about on this podcast you know the macro the technical the the shit posting the memes everything's going on this assumption of um bitcoin or something like it being global money with within the decades to come. So with that being said, what are what's what's that long term target? And uh, you know, while I have no idea, I've been really fascinated by Mustap Murad's targets on Bitcoin. And basically, his thoughts are, um, you know, money's going to be one thing; it's a winner take all yeah. type of scenario. And, you know, his price target is, is astronomically high and it's it's so high that it's really easy to dismiss. And it's it? it's around it's 10 million per Bitcoin. Yeah, that's... And 
it sounds absolutely insane. But when you walk through his investment thesis, and, and that's what I'm going to do right now, you can you can start to see how he backs into that math. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his thoughts are around uh, the total market cap of, of Bitcoin could be between 100 and 200 trillion. And he likes to sit on that 160 trillion dollar mark. Yeah. If you want to bring up that uh, on his Twitter, yeah, that that post about like um, the adoption of something becoming global money. <clears throat> so he likes to sit on that 160 trillion dollar mark, which is, you know, that gets you right around 10 billion, 10 million per Bitcoin. And he starts off. Um, by explaining how you know the the total market cap for money is the, you know the formula would be something like store of value plus plus medium of exchange, mm-hmm. and there's an old Jewish proverb that says you know you should keep a third of your wealth in land, a third of your wealth in your business, and then a third of your wealth in gold or in this case money vis a vis Bitcoin. And that it's a 95% winner-take-all market for global money. So here's how he gets there. So if you look at the the total market cap for for monetary metals, for, you know, for gold as an example, it's around eight trillion. And eight trillion dollar market cap of of Bitcoin would be equivalent to around uh, 350-375,000 dollars per Bitcoin. So you you take that and then you say, okay, well, all you have physical money, right, which is around $43 trillion market cap uh, and the equivalent of $43 trillion market cap of physical money gives you a Bitcoin price of around 2 million. And then if you were to measure the total market cap of all of fiat, which is around a hundred trillion, that brings you to a market cap of, of Bitcoin, uh, a market price of Bitcoin is around four and a half million dollars per Bitcoin. And then the last thing is, is real estate. That's a $200 trillion market. So if you go back to our assumption that the the total market cap for money is your store of value plus um, the medium of exchange, the question you really have to ask yourself is how much of the real estate market, if those investors had a choice otherwise to hold that wealth in gold rather than to store it in real estate, would they choose to do that, right? So what percentage of a $200 trillion market would have invested in uh, Bitcoin, assuming it's global money, otherwise, rather than putting that money into real estate. Um, and I and I think that's that's the X factor. You know, I can see okay, Bitcoin eclipses gold. Uh, it it takes up to all of all of fiat. That gets you to a hundred trillion. Okay, I, I can I can work with that mentally if if uh, Bitcoin takes up ninety five percent of all uh, global money. But it's that real estate part. Um, I mean, I, I just sold my house at the beginning of this year and I was using it as a store of value. You have you know, Chinese billionaires storing their wealth in multi-million dollar apartments in New York City or San Francisco, um, buying humongous buildings. Would they hold that money in cash if they knew that their money wasn't going to inflate? I don't know. That's a question I ask you. What do you think? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously – the wealth, wealthy people, most of them are obviously pretty smart, and they get the idea of, you know, making your money work for you. And they also understand, they understand how, you know, money is today, where you're losing, holding it just in, you know, holding in dollars, unless you got some kind of high interest rate, you know, whether you're lending it out or savings account, um, you're losing money. It's simple as that. You're losing 2% plus your money a year, if not more. 
and we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. But when you're talking millions of dollars, it really eats away at your value. And um, th that's why you get a lot of people, business people are always trying to make their dollars work for them, you know, and instead of vice versa, instead of working for dollars, they're trying to get their money to work for them. Um, real estate's a good example. But here again, we're in such a speculative time of real estate, and we're seeing, I'm sure you've seen in San Francisco, home prices are just coming down like a rock. Um, yep. And it's, and, you know, here we are at the end of a cycle again. And that's the hardest thing about predicting where Bitcoin comes into our, you know, in our lives and how it affects us is because we're at such a unique time, as I said earlier. Like, we're at the end of a giant cycle from quantitative t uh, easing to quantitative tightening. That's going to have effects that we've never seen before. Central banks just fucked around with money, and now it's going to have detrimental effects. Um, we're at a time where U.S. hedge money is slowly coming to an end. You know, China's pushing that, you know, those buttons. They're trying to figure out ways around, you know, China's slowly. I think China's going to surpass U.S. GDP this year. And when you look in the past, when you look at World War One, that's what happened. Germany surpassed Britain's GDP. And within a few years, they were at war, you know. Um, and so there's a lot of variables. We have no clue they're going to come into play, whether it's another global war, whether most likely we're going to see a very big recession coming up very shortly here. I think... The next year, the next two years are gonna be really bad. Um, and here again, it's just gonna it's gonna be led by the equity markets like it always is. The markets are pricing it in right now, um, and we're gonna see pensions take the hit. We're gonna see endowments take the hit. You're gonna see it take the hit across the board. Um, where this takes us, I don't know. I I personally think, and I've discussed this with one of my buddies, who's he's a finance guy. He's very smart. Um, you know, we discussed, and some of his friends have too. You know, another world war, the 21st century's you know world war. We thought we're done with world wars. We, you know, we thought we've made it, and now we have all these um, alliances. And where you look at NATO, where you look at BRIC nations, there's a lot of different alliances that tangle countries in, and it could have a very devastating effect. You know, if there were a conflict to break out between two larger nations. Um, and there's my very pessimistic view of the next few years. Um, <laughs> For sure. For um, sure. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, and that's, so that's something you got to keep in mind with Bitcoin. I have the inverted chart of Bitcoin. So this is what your dollar, your dollar is losing the value here. That's inverted chart. Um, that's really what's going on. Um, but here again, I think this year, even as we discussed last podcast, cash has been king this year. If you've been in cash, it's definitely helped you out. Like I think there, we've seen a bunch of, I've seen at least on like crypto Twitter, People just washing out because they've been holding bags for months, you know, and and then the past few weeks haven't helped either because they're already underwater bags have just went more underwater. So here again, it just comes to risk management, well, you know, whether you're investing, trading, you name it. Oh, absolutely. And I think you made make a really good point about, uh, <laughs> you know, the potential for um, another war. Um, and, and it goes really along with the narrative of, of Bitcoin that if you want to opt out, you know, don't forget that a lot of these wars are funded with, um, <clears throat> with taxpayer dollars. Oh, so, yeah. right, exactly. So if, if, if you want to choose to opt out and that, and that's, what's so nice about Bitcoin is it, it's completely voluntary. It's your choice. If you want to opt out, if you want to take that fiat and get yourself some Bitcoin, that's your choice. And I, um, I don't, I wouldn't say I recommend doing it. I personally do it, and and I think that is that is my hedge against um, all 
of, of just total system breakdown, right? Because if you, if you if if we're in a if we're in a recession right now today, but we can't say it for a fact because we won't know in, until uh, hindsight will let us know whether or not we were right or wrong. But if if all markets are essentially inflated and bubbling up, you have two options. You can either go into cash, right, or um, you look for something else that you can store your wealth in. And uh, for some people, there, there's only a couple things. It looks like real estate is no longer that that something that you can store your wealth in. You know, you're seeing real estate markets um, start to drop in many of the hottest markets of, of last year and this year are now starting to cool off. And then you have your monetary metals, right? So gold is starting to, to pump. That makes sense. I can, I can understand why it would. And, and then you have uh, <clears throat> the black sheep of all of them, which is Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, it, it's absolutely not pumping right now, which makes sense. It's highly speculative. Um, we this is a market of asymmetric information. I am much more bullish on Bitcoin than ninety nine point five percent of the rest of the population. I would say just because, bullish. yeah, just because I I, I understand uh, enough about it. I definitely don't. Nobody really understands Bitcoin, but I understand enough to that I. Ver, I believe in its monetary policy. There's going to be twenty one million. There's not going to be any more. Uh, it's very difficult to change. It's something that I'm comfortable storing my wealth in, yeah. but not everybody is. So I can look at this opportunity and say, oh, you know, cheap Bitcoin, we're going into a recession. I have no issues um, taking 5% of my salary or income and, and putting it into Bitcoin um, on a biweekly basis. I have no issues with that. I, I do think, however, that many other people would. And the narrative of... Um, potential war, hyperinflation in other countries, uh, the EU breaking down. I wonder if that Bitcoin narrative doesn't start to look better for the 99.5% of people who, who who don't think like me in this circumstance. And I think, I think the Bitcoin narrative will look better as we see systemic risk across governments. Um, you know, we're seeing it, you know, obviously in Europe right now more than ever. And I, I keep mentioning it because it, it just it shocks me how little coverage and how many people over here are not talking about how big these these um, Paris riots are. This is like the, the the city of love or whatever. And I mean they are uprising. They they want revolution. Over the, the the narrative's been oh this is about gas taxes whatever because Macron want to increase gas and diesel prices via taxation to you know save the environment, which is a load of hogwash because you know and. Now, you know, it's more than just that. This is anti-Macron. They want the guy out. You know, as I said, more than three-quarters of the country is disapproved of him. The dude isn't, hasn't made a public statement in over a week, probably two weeks now. I think it was like November 27th or something. Um, and literally his whole country is burning. You know, they're burning cars. They're destroying shops. They're, they're like they're, they're coming to a complete economic halt in that country. That's that's going to have effects not just in France. It's going to have effects that are going to ripple through the EU, and it's not just going to be there. You're going to see it, you know, go abroad too. There's shit. There was even yellow vest protests in like uh, Canada. Apparently, they weren't you know as violent, but they're going on. I I, I have a chart up right now. It's the General Electric chart, formerly America's largest company at one point in history, and it's now at sixty billion dollar market cap. But General Electric, you look at this chart and you're thinking, fuck, this thing's going to zero. Uh, when I look at this chart, yeah, like, okay, theoretically, it, it will bounce at the 573 low of 2009, but this thing doesn't look – there's nothing bullish about this chart. 
nothing. <laughs> I mean, this thing, this no. is monthly bars, and just looking at it, I mean, most likely this this company will go to zero. They're gonna have to sell off their assets. GE still has good products. They still make like engines, um, train car, electric trains, whatever you name it. Those will be sold off. But this company has so much debt and so many issues here. Here again is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of things people aren't really looking at and be like, yo, this is kind of a big deal. This is like a big company in America that's now only $60 billion. And it was probably at $30 a share is, you know, probably a $300 billion company. So we're, we're just seeing it, you know, decimated. Um, and I doubt this low hold, holds here. That doesn't hold. You can say goodbye. So I have a question for you. Let's say GE goes bust. Do we see uh, do we see bailouts again? Does that happen? You know, that's a good question. Um, I I don't think the American taxpayer will allow it to happen this time. I really don't. Last time it happened, I agree. Last time it happened, it kind of just got snuck in. And I was watching. I, I think I told you I was watching the um, Too Big to Fail, which is a great movie if you get a chance to watch it. And it just talks about what happened with the banking crisis and how they basically saved the economy at the time because everything was going to go under. AIG, Goldman Sachs. You know, and this was after the fact that Lehman Brothers had gone under, uh, Washington Mutual is going under. Um, and so they saved the economy there. But really, in reality, what it did was kick the can down the road. And so now the, the pain that was, you know, the pain we were supposed to have is going to be much worse. Um, and we're seeing it here, even Apple. Apple's, uh, I'll see exactly how high it's, but it's probably, it's in, it's in bear market territory now. It's 28% off its highs. You know, um, and that the chart at App, Apple's chart doesn't look pretty at all. It does not look like it's going to be a. I mean, it in a matter of three months. Not even we're not even partway through December. We're a third of the way through December. Um, you know, it's going to get bloody very shortly, and it already is. You know, nobody's really accepting it, but it is. You know, um, none of these charts, and I'm I'm on monthly bars right now. I'm just looking at monthly bars. None of them look good. You know, uh, none of them look good. And whether we bounce here and, you know, rally through the near, it doesn't matter. Um, reality setting in on a lot of these. Rally setting in on the market, really. And as um, StockCats on Twitter says, you know, dumping on retail's head is not a, it's not a one-day event. It's a process. It takes a while. And there's a great chart of the Smart Money Index. And Smart Money's been exiting all year. It's, it's been its lowest point, you know, even below the 2000 um you know, the dot-com boom and below the 2008 financial crisis. And, you know, so the dumping on retail's head has been going on all year. You know, you see CNBC selling the market to people, telling them we're going to go new highs. No, there's not going to be no new highs. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a perfect chart analyst, but I can tell you, looking at some of these charts, we're not seeing new highs anytime soon, you know. Um, so just be prepared for the worst is all I can say and know what to expect. Yeah, with that, I think uh, the only advice I have is uh, my two favorite pieces of advice to give, which are eat meat and buy Bitcoin yeah. in this case, because nothing else is, is going to save you. Yeah, and um, as um, as other traders have mentioned, cash is a position. Cash is probably one of the best positions in trading. It gives you the most power, most flexibility. Um, as we saw people who got locked in shit coins, you know, the guys who are in cash – did fine in 2018 you know they're able to move around the market enter positions when they wanted to but being stuck in shit coins being stuck in underwater stocks not not your uh, best friend 
And I'm not, this isn't financial advice by any means, but I'm just telling you what I see, you know. And, like, when you look at Netflix, Netflix's parabolic movement has completely ended. It's now on the backside. And as we saw with crypto, the backside's very bloody, and it happens quick. And it happens a lot faster than you think. You know, um, that's, that, you know, that, there's my, uh, again, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of pessimistic views at people. And, I, you know, some people don't want to hear it, but that's, that's the reality of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it can certainly get um, get really bloody out there for every asset class. No asset class is safe. I think is the, the yeah, best no, way. I can there's put nowhere it. there's nowhere to hide right now, and that's what happens after a decade of manipulation, as I mentioned before. When you have quantitative easing, you have lower negative interest rates, and then the biggest thing by far, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, share buybacks. I mean, when you think about share buybacks, these companies are buying back billions of shares. Um, and we're on record. I think we set a record this year already, and we're not even done with the year with the amount of shares been bought back. And what that does is basically think about just having a giant buy wall. So when people are dumping their shares, there's someone there to buy it no matter what. So the price isn't dropping, you know. Um, and you look at companies like GE has been a great example. GE was buying billions of dollars worth of shares back at $30, at $20. Now their share price is 7 bucks. How do you explain that to your investors, you know? take on debt to buy shares that are now worth a quarter of their value. Um, Bitcoin's time to shine is coming here very shortly. If, if we do see a balance or it does hold, you know, the 1800 or 3000 level, there could be a time to shine. Um, you know, and I, you know, there's no way to really price it in properly. You know, is, is it's technology worth, worth it being worth $20,000 a Bitcoin or 5,000? I couldn't tell you or a hundred, you know, um, that's for the market to price in. But I think, you know, the hyper, the whole idea of hyper Bitcoinization, I, 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 there's a lot of smart people who talk about it and I, I don't disagree with it, um, in some sense. Yeah, for, for sure. Because it, it, and you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough t- topic to talk about because it's very pie in the sky. But oh, yeah. the thing that I've kind of been reverting back to is it's either, going to be hyper bitcoinization or, or it's not or it's going to be nothing uh the collect it'll just be the a collectible as its investment thesis and i have no idea how much that would be worth uh mm-hmm. in market cap but i don't i don't foresee that happening i think the genie's out of the bottle you, we figured out how to solve the double spend problem uh we have a workable digital cash right now it, it works uh, it's decentralized can't really be stopped in any in any way the security models really sound so it's either going to get adopted globally or or it's not um yeah. and and i'd like to think that you know it, it will get adopted globally yeah. that would that would make sense to me i, I would like that very much uh <clears throat> selfishly but i think the rest of the planet's going to need something eventually because it's uh it, it, it could get messy out there yeah um the, 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 you know, I think a lot of people are in that binary boat, and I am too. It's either it's either everything, it's all or nothing, and that's it's hard mindset to, you know, um, you know, is it is it, is Bitcoin going to win or is it going to be gold as an extra reserve currency? The dollar's on the way out, and you can even see with like Trump's policies are more nationalistic, more U.S. you know based, and um, so that you know, is it going to be gold? Is it going to be a dollar? Who knows? Um, you know, you can't argue against the fact that gold's been the you know, a currency for, or money for 5,000 years. At the end of the day, that's, that's what's been money for 5,000 years. And we're seeing all these countries like Russia and China have just been adding astronomically to their level since the 08 financial crisis. 
Um, you're seeing Turkey, Hungary, you name it. Um, everyone's repatriating their gold. Venezuela was trying to repatriate the gold. I think we mentioned last podcast, and the Bank of England was holding their gold against them. Um, you know, and so here again, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, and same thing. If you're not holding your gold and someone else is holding it, or someone else is holding your dollars, someone else is holding your cash in a bank, it's not really your cash. You know, the bank is using fractional reserve lending, so God knows how much they actually have of your money there. Um, so if somebody, if there's a bank run, bear that in mind. Yeah, that, that's such a good point, and that's you know, I have two thoughts on that. One would be. Um, the not your keys, not your Bitcoin. I think that would be if we see more bank runs or people not being able to access their funds, uh, you're going to you're going to see the the need for that node in a box. Right. So that's something that, that you can keep your bank in your home if you want to, if that's something that you're comfortable with. Uh, I think that will help drive adoption for Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also, you know, the thoughts of. Uh, that gold was the the world's currency chosen freely on the market. I'd like to add uh, for five thousand years, and uh, I, I, I saw Safety talking about this. That gold has a really good head start in front of Bitcoin. Yeah, it has a very solid uh, monetary history. The only thing that I can think of, and I and I and I heard Eric Voskel say this during a presentation, was yeah, you know, gold's great. It was an awesome money for a very very long time, but it lost to fiat. It could not. It could not beat fiat. Money is 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 a free market, and it's uh it works well with competition. Yeah. So fiat came in. It outcompeted gold because of the underlying security flaws flaws in gold. Right. You needed coinage and paper money as a as a layer two technology on top of gold. Right. As your base layer, and you know all the all that tells us is that leads to rehypothecation and inflating the money supply, and then it goes bust. So while um, I don't want to hate on gold too much because it was a good money for so long. We already know that gold does have its security flaws at, at for being money because it's easy to inflate the supply because you need to use paper money or, or coinage on top of it. Um, and I think it leads leaves the door open for Bitcoin to step in if if Bitcoin competes in that way. It's definitely going to leave the door open. Yeah, it's... um. You know, again, as we said, you know, having gold has that long-term history versus Bitcoin, which is still very nascent and new. Um, and it's hard to see. Again, there's so many things that could happen. You know, like even in the past few weeks, you know, the scale of these protests in France, we have no clue what the, the, the face of the EU will be in the next five, next two years. You know, for all we know, EU just disintegrates, you know, so that we don't have a euro currency anymore. They all go back to their own native currencies. That could change the political landscape a lot. You know, um, another large-scale war. I mean, I don't think – I think if France just, you know, completely overthrows their own leader here, that's going to have huge ripple effects. There's no way to ignore that. Um, and whether that's good for Bitcoin, bad, you could argue both sides. It could, you could argue it's good because Bitcoin is outside of that monetary system. It's its own, you know, system. And so people, you know, might find it as a safety asset, you know. Where they put one percent of their net worth in it because they're like, well, hell, I might as well have a thousand satoshis. Um, it's a there's a lot going on right now, um, and if you're paying attention and not stuck into Netflix too much, you'll you'll see what's happening. It's a there's we're you know we're on the cusp of something big. I keep telling people like what's going on right now is not normal. Whether you look at the crypto bubble of last year, whether you look at equities and everything else being embarrassed, like I saw, it was like 89 percent of assets are down against the U.S. dollar in 2018. That's never happened in history. 
1929, not in 1987, not in 2000, not, to, not even in 2008. So they're, what's going on right now is really big. Everything is finally being priced in properly because, you know, we're, we're done with quantitative easing in the U.S. and we're going to quantitative tightening. So money's being taken out of the system. So it's, it's having its effects. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, you know, it's tough to talk about, you know, a lot of this macro, um, <clears throat> global and political stuff because it's, you know, it's very sensitive, but it's, um, it's, it's going to, it's becoming harder to dismiss. And I think in hindsight, uh, somebody's going to make a really dope infographic of like key turning points, um, <laughs> from, from 2000 or from the year 2000 to, to 2040 or 2050. And, uh, I have a feeling that, you know, what's going on right now will certainly be, um, a, a key talking point as to how the, the, the globe started kind of going in a complete other direction and it, it'll look obvious in hindsight, yeah, but it's really hard to, to, to look at it now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bitcoin again here, we're, I think in the short term, it's, there's definitely some blood. There's still a little more blood to be bled. But I think we're getting close. I mean, capitulation-wise, we're getting close. Um, and so that's good for us, you know. Uh, I would love to see it bottom out because that would give me more hope, you know. And I mean hope in the sense that I'm not going to be buying Bitcoin at 3000 and, you know, having it go to 1800 on me. So I'm, I'm a very patient person now. I will wait for myself to kind of find a bottom and then slowly start entering again. Definitely. Yeah. If anything, this market has taught me a lot about myself and patience. Oh, so patience is huge. Um, yeah. If you don't have it, start working on it because you're it. certainly you're, you're going to need it. Yep. I mean, it's the same thing. People uh, talk about buying Bitcoin so they can take advantage of the real estate market in a couple of years when it really cools off. And uh, you're going to see a lot of a lot of people doing that that are sitting on cash, uh, whatever the asset they're sitting in something really liquid and they're just waiting to deploy that capital when everything goes on sale. And mm -hmm. it's uh, it's coming soon to a city near you, for sure. Yeah. Um, what else, is there anything else you want to cover? No, I think that's it. Uh, I think this was a good episode. We, we had a lot to talk about. Yeah. We'll, um, we're going to put a bunch of links in the show notes. We'll get everything out there. We'll put this on YouTube. We're working on uh, getting this onto Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all those other, your favorite podcast catchers. So shoot us a dm SoundCloud or yeah soundcloud shoot us a dm and tell us um what your favorite podcast catcher is if you have a favorite app that you like to listen to um to get your podcast just just let us know we want to try to take care of as many people as we can out there but until then everything will be on youtube and i will uh i'll have that link on our on our page so um to to end it out follow us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You can follow me at Crypto Humor at all three of those locations. And for me on Instagram, it's Crypto underscore Coitus, C-O-I-T-A-S. And on Twitter, it is Brett underscore Coitus. Um, yeah, I try to post a lot of information, so feel free to follow me. I cover broad spectrum stuff, mainly markets, finance, but crypto is obviously included. Um, thank you guys. Have a good day. Thanks a lot, everybody.